You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. So welcome to Be Simply. Today we have special guest Deanna Lam. Lam. (laughs) And today we're going to talk about the moon. We're on the flower moon here on planet Earth, and we're going to talk about the ability for women around the world to reclaim their power through their menstrual cycle. I want, without further ado, to welcome in Diana. My pleasure. Thank you. Welcome. I'm excited to be here and in the presence of women around the world, wherever you are. Welcome, sisters. Yes, welcome, welcome, sisters. Before we started, we were having a little chat about uh, women in Israel and how they related to one another uh, through their moon cycle, their menstrual cycle. And I would love for you to share about that and the power of it. So I come from Israel. This is my country of origin. And before I left, which was, I left around 30 years ago in 87, but before I left, I worked in Neve Shalom Wahat al-Salam, which is a school for peace. We worked on reconciliation. We did uh, three-day work or reconciliation workshops, and it was powerful, strong work. However, we never, ever divided along gender lines, ever. And after I left and started rediscovering and, and unearthing the wisdom, the big uh, revelations of knowing that all indigenous cultures in all parts of the world have revered the moon time as a power time. I went back to Israel a few times and I gathered Jewish and Arab women. So Jewish, uh, Christian, Muslim, all Jews and and Arabs are in Israel to sit together in moon lodges and in red tents and to share what connects us and what happened was profound because at the in the face of sharing our first blood stories, in the face of sharing our cyclicity and cyclical stories, all of the differences between us melted, political, uh, religion, convictions, beliefs, uh, ideologies, all fell down and you know were dismissed and and melted into nothing versus what connected us our deepest and strongest common denominator as women is that we are cyclical whether we are arabs or jews or palestinians or right. you know whatever religion we might be yeah. so it brought us all to tears and this is something that i want to bring to us now, not only as an inspiration to what's possible, but especially now is what's happening in the Middle East and in Israel. There is so much bloodshed and our moon time is the only blood that shed without a wound, without inflicting anyone. And that's what we can bring together as as women in the Middle East. We have that connection. Absolutely. Which, which links us through our gift to create uh, yes. one of the most powerful gifts uh, that anyone could be afforded to create human life in our own physical temple. It's pretty miraculous, yes. being that we both 
have experienced birthing in this lifetime. Uh, yes, and, and I want to say, because not all women have, I want to say that our womb is the seat of creativity, whether we birth life, physical life, or ideas and visions and inspirations and projects. We still have the womb as the creative matrix of our being, regardless of whether we birth a child or not, and our ability to bring life includes all forms of, of life. Well, and let's talk a little bit about that, that the, the womb, the sacral energy is this, this mechanism that's there that's actually quite pure and very, very sacred. Uh, and how women, maybe you can share a little bit how women can feed that uh, responsibly into their daily life with, you know, having a deeper relationship with what that energy is. I think oftentimes people don't understand what is the jewels that are right there. Yeah, well, maybe the good place to start is that our womb is a cyclical, rhythmical organ. Mm. So we have the rhythm of the heart that is pumping, and it's also contracting and expanding at the rhythm that is very fast. Our womb expands and contracts at the rhythm, the rhythm of the moon. Right. So um, when we have a regular cycle, it lasts 28 and a half days, which is exactly the length of a moon cycle. Right. And often because of the modern living, stresses, diet, you know, excess light, artificial light and all of that, we kind of uh, often would go off sync. But in the absence of that, we bleed in correlation with the moon. Hmm. So for one not only that our womb is a cyclical organ, but it is connected with the rhythm of the universe, with the rhythm of the moon. Yeah. It is part of a, of a larger cycle. And one way to feed our womb and our creative forces is to start to tune in to its rhythm. It's not linear. We live in a linear uh -huh. world and we live our lives as if we are linear beings. But women, people with a womb, are absolutely not linear. Yeah. And I invite us to start honoring, listening, embodying that rhythm. And that rhythm is expanding and contracting. And that's what we can do, need to do, in order to be aligned with our cyclicity. Because our emotional life is influenced by our womb and by our hormones, by the moon. Our emotions need to expand and to contract. Our emotions need to be, there are times in the month when we need to be outgoing and we want to be with people and we are absolutely outbound. And there are times we just want to curl up and hide and disappear and not see anyone. And we need to honor that. We need to uh -huh. feed that by giving this the space that it needs because that's what our soul needs as women. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you can deepen in that a little bit of what happens when we honor that, because it's, it's quite magical when you give yourself permission. We've discussed this before, but you give yourself permission to uh, get quiet with self and yes. unplug uh, from yeah. the world. If yes. you can share a little bit of what uh, you've seen witness from that internal cancun space and then when we go out and be active again. 
Yeah. Well, I would start with what happens when we don't honor, then women get symptoms mm. and cramps and PMS and rage modes and, and depression and all the ways in which we are out of sync and out of alignment with our well-being often can be traced to the fact that we live our lives linearly and we don't honor those rhythms that are etched in our cellular body, in our cellular memory. And when we do, I've been working with women from around the world, and when we do begin to slow down and listen and embody the rhythm and give ourselves permission to take time out and to go into our little cocoon and to shut the world out because we need to renew and replenish ourselves before we can go back out, then symptoms begin to dissolve and disappear. Then our physical wellness is thriving. Then our emotional well-being is blooming and flowering because we're not trampling on our rhythm. So I've seen women who were doubled over with pain that had to take five to 10 painkillers a day in their period, move down to one and then to nothing. Yeah. No uh-huh. painkiller. There is no pain because, so here is a thing that the pain, the PMS symptoms and the pain and the shouts of the body are a way for the body to tug at our skirt and say, stop, stop. And what we do is that we medicate the messenger. The messenger are the symptoms and the pain. We don't need to medicate it. We need to listen to it. And as we listen to it and take time and begin to move inwards as well as outwards in the rhythm of the universe, in the rhythm of the flowers that open up to the sun and close in the evening, in the rhythm of all life on earth and the seasons and our womb, when we begin to do that, then there is no need for the body to shout anymore. There is nothing to complain about because we are aligned and in sync. Mm. And ready to spiral out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So um, your words medicate the messenger are really strong. Mm. Uh, So often in our society right now, we get uncomfortable when we have any type of symptoms. So if we keep it uh, local to the womb, Uh, If you can share a little bit about uh, getting comfortable with listening to the body versus uh, maybe silencing it. And right now, I've I've heard a lot of women are uh, experiencing the body speak out in various ways or retract. So Mm. with that uh, knowledge, uh, how can we sit in it uh, versus Mm. trying to find a remedy Yes. understanding that we could cultivate the remedy from within. So I guess my question that comes up when, when I hear yours is, if we don't listen to the body, what are we listening to? Mm. And it sounds like we're listening to media and to our devices and to our pings and messages and to the pull of the outside world that is relentless and is bombarding us with information and with calls to our attention to be outwards. So how can we listen inward when our attention is constantly pulled out and engaged and hooked and summoned by people and by media and by world events and by all of that 
we can't listen to ourselves. So we have to unplug from something in order to listen inwards. It's not something that can happen simultaneously. We can't be tuned into media and listen to our body. It doesn't right. work. Yep. It's like watching a movie and listening to a concert at the same time. It doesn't work. <laughs> so we need to, in order to listen inward, we need to take times in which we unplug and we become comfortable with quietude with silence, which is something that our soul craves, but we're so unused to taking that it becomes something we dread. But if we yeah. take some time to sit and listen to the birds, there isn't complete silence on this earth. The birds are always singing. Yeah. And if you are at night, there are owls and there are crickets and there are frogs, depending on the season. There is always some subtle noises and sounds of nature that we can listen to. And that can be the transition to listen inward, to listen to our body and to our rhythm and to our wisdom. So I encourage us to realize that unplugging is really not scary. It's yeah. a gift. Absolutely. And so it, you know, I was thinking because it, it appears, uh, you know, our electromagnetic fields, I might get bleeped for saying that word, but um, our electromagnetic fields are uh, being impacted by everything we're plugged into. And what I've always found is when we sit on the earth or lay on the earth, that really brings us back into harmony very rapidly. Like, you know, yes. depending how wound up you are or what's going on, it could, everything could go away in 10 minutes or less. Yes. Or it may take a little bit longer. Uh, if you can share a little bit with the listeners, the power of like the, the red tent or the moon lodge of sitting and typically back in the day that is on the earth, you know, you're on the land, maybe in a, you know, a tent or a teepee or uh, some kind of structure. Uh, but mm. if you can share what starts to happen uh, a little bit deeper without divulging some of the, the sacredness of the stories, but just what happens for the feminine or what you've witnessed. So what happens is that when we have places to go to, moon lodges, moon huts, red tents, women's houses, where we have a place to go to when we bleed, we have permission from ourselves and from our surrounding to not only unplug the media and the devices, what we had in olden times is that we were unplugged from our chores, mm -hmm. from our daily life in the tribe or in the village, we unplugged from our duties and we were given this time to simply be. We're so much of human doing. And once a month, we're called to be human beings, to just be. And in such a chaotic world, being sounds for often, too often to us a scary thing because we don't know what, to, what, what would I do? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I had women who asked me, so what would I do when I'm on my period? Don't do. You don't need to do. You just need to be. And from that beingness, daydreams can come and insights and dreams and inspiration and new ideas and a releasing of the month that has gone by because we are bleeding every cycle, every moon time, every month. So releasing that cycle that just ended and making room for the new. So it's, it's a middle ground. Mm -hmm. If you think of, of a wave in the ocean, you have a perfect wave that's formed 
and then it crashes in order to create yet another perfect wave. But the time in between is a time of having no structure, of having just being. And what I know that women experience and women experienced in the past in indigenous cultures is that it was a time of prophecy. It was a time when women became the oracles, the, the prophets of their tribes. Yeah. And people in the tribe would come and ask them questions about collective um, direction for the tribe or individual direction for in the, an individual. And the women would sit and, and be or would dream, would go to sleep in the red tent and would dream prophecies for their tribes. And often women would dream similar things so that what came out of the red tent or the moon lodge would be very similar. It wouldn't be one woman's voice. It would be a collective voice that right. was sleeping under those circumstances and moving into a different altered state of being because when we bleed we are in an altered state of Absolutely. being. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. we need quiet in order yeah. to allow it to be. Yeah. We can't be in an altered state and be prophesizing while we're taking care of children <laughs> and moving, moving furniture and doing the dishes and washing up. You can't do that. We have to yeah. stop all of that. Oh. <laughs> yes. Well so, yes, being in a, what I would like to echo to what you just said is that definitely the more you become in rhythm with your moon cycle, you will feel, you know, uh, the altered state. And typically, yes. like for myself, it'll be just like a couple of days before I'll be like, oh, I'm entering, you know, you, you start to shift. Uh, so that yes. quietude is really important. Uh, the stillness is important. And just giving yourself permission to do that. Uh also, uh, the power of being able to uh, see and heal simultaneously, uh, mm. it's like letting go. If you can share a little bit, because here we are in today, we're recording this on the flower moon in May, uh, and so uh, a powerful time. And typically, just for the listeners that don't know, this would be the time we would ovulate you know, there'd be a lot of procreation and uh, creation energy on the rise. And if we all lived in tribal situation on our new moon, that's when we'd be in the lodge shedding, right? Yes. Uh, and so if you can share, because obviously we're dispersed in many different ways, but if the women, how do you feel about if the women just started honoring the, their regular cycle, but then really honoring these two moons within the cycle for the collective feminine uh I, I know it might be a little bit more complicated for people depending when they're bleeding but it might get us all synced up again <laughs> imagine that so yeah i i want to back up a little bit and say there's a lot of women who are saying oh but i bleed on the full moon and i ovulate on the dark moon and is it normal so i want to bring that word normal out of our vocabulary Right. You are cycling. As long as you're cycling, you are in a circle, and a circle has no beginning and no ending. So, yes, when we had no artificial lighting and no stresses of life and what what have you, and we lived in very close proximity in tribes and villages, we probably synced, our cycles were synced, as we know from when we 
share apartments or dorms at, the, at colleges, often women would sing. So there is an entrainment that happens. And entrainment yeah. is a, I love this word because it's, it's happening. The entrainment is a word that describes not only women synchronizing their cycles, but if you take two grandfather clocks, you know, with those pendulum ticking yeah. that, and you put them in the same room, they will entrain. In, yeah. a, in a short time, they will become synchronized. Yeah. So there is something with nature, natural rhythms that that synchronizes to each other. So I think that we don't need to um, worry about synchronizing. We need, to, and we don't don't need to worry about anything. We need to. Yeah connect with our cycle and with our rhythm and accept wherever we are. If you bleed on, on the full moon or on the dark moon, that's where you are now. I know that when through the years that I was bleeding, I have not bled for seven years now, but when I was bleeding, I was uh, tracking my cycle and my cycle would move through the seasons. So there were seasons when I was bleeding on the full moon and then it shortened and shifted with the phase of the moon. And within one season, within three months, I would bleed on the dark moon. Mm -hmm. And then again, it would move to a day or two after the dark and closer to half full. And within a season, I would bleed on the full again. So the rhythm that I found that I tracked over years that was consistent was a shifting rhythm. It mm, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't yeah. one rhythm of always bleeding at the same phase. So I'd like to invite us to track with curiosity, not with a judgment or, yeah. yeah, not with a ideal of that's how it should be and I'm out of that should or out right. of that norm. But this is what I'm observing. And right. what you observe, honor. And what you honor flourishes. And if it changes, it probably would. And if we are consciously tracking and consciously being in honor of wherever we bleed, whatever phase it is, without judgment, then we'll be in alignment with our own selves. And if we share that in close proximity with other women, we probably would begin to synchronize by the virtue of being in close proximity. We don't have to effort to make that right. happen. Yeah, kind of like swirling divas in a room. We will yes. swirl and swirl and eventually yes. see yes. what happens. I okay, yeah. love that. And and if you can share with uh, women that maybe have experienced abrupt stops to their cycle, they're not premenopausal, or if they've gone through menopause, uh, how they can relate to their cycle in those moments. So I'm going back to the moon. So I remember my daughter once, uh, she's 20 now, and she found a few years ago, she found an app that would track her moon time. And I was saying, you know, this is great. It's, it would predict it, and it's great. But, you know, we do have an app in the sky. <laughs> yeah. It's there. <laughs> so I invite us to use the app in the sky. Yeah. And to go back, if we are not bleeding because we have gone through menopause, or if we're not bleeding because our, our womb was surgically removed and we only have a, an etheric womb, which we right. do, right. or if we don't bleed because our moon halted, our blood halted because of whatever reason, 
in these, these times. There is the moon. And since we were born with the womb, the, the rhythm of the womb is etched in our cellular memory, in our blood and bones, in our, in our cells. So we can begin to align with the expansion, contraction of the moon. We can begin to notice our moods and our needs to be extroverted and out there versus the need to be withdrawn and replenish and, and in there and see what phase of the moon it correlates with and start living our rhythms by aligning to the womb or if we don't have one or if we're not bleeding by aligning to the moon those are mirrors of each other yeah so that's that's what i would invite us to do rather than fretting about it yeah aho oh, i love that aho oh. and if any women notice that their moon won't stop um and uh, there's been a lot of that lately yes. uh, welcoming the same practice to not i mean obviously you someone might need to make sure they're not bleeding too much but yes. um to bring the system back into rhythm would you recommend the same I would recommend the same, connecting with the moon, and I would recommend cultivating a speaking relationship with the womb. I would recommend talking with our womb and asking, what ails you? Right now, you're not bleeding, and we're not in menopause yet, or perimenopause, and we're not pregnant, so what am I here to learn from this? Is there a message here that I can grow from? And once I receive the wisdom of this hold, can we together realign ourselves with the womb of the Mother Earth, with the moon, with the rhythms that are etched inside of us? If you take time to be quiet and to listen to your woman, to ask it, you will receive responses. Again, you have to be unplugged from the noises, from all the gaff outside, but um, the womb is your compass. So we can't hold the compass in our hands and go look for the north. We need to consult the compass. Yeah, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, can you share the importance of patience with that process? Uh, because we are, have become an on-demand culture. You know, we seek, yes. we, you know, we might have a symptom and we want to seek a remedy or versus stopping, listening, feeling into the body. What does the body need? Sometimes it's not even something you take. It's just seeing it um, yes. brings the body into harmony. So if you can share a little bit about that, uh, you know, that yes. the patience, how important the patience is. Yeah. It's the patience is, patience is the antidote for immediate gratification. We live in a culture that wants immediate gratification. And with the, the media that we have, especially the media that's handheld, that is at, at our disposal at all time, it's constant. There is a constant bombardment of noise and a constant bombardment of demanding our attention and our responses, our immediate response. I remember when I first got an answering machine, we're talking 30 years ago, yeah. and someone left me a message and I wasn't available to answer them. And I thought, I heard it, I listened to it, I can't not answer. Yeah. 
we can not answer. We can. We can. So patience is something that we need to cultivate in and for ourselves as well as for the people that correspond with us. They will be patient if we don't answer them. We have been used to responding and receiving responses instantaneously. But if we cultivate a different rhythm, then we will create a different expectation with the people we correspond with. So patience is really allowing us the time to receive an answer. When we want an instant answer, there isn't time for it to bubble up, Mm -hmm. to emerge. We want answers that are ready-made. So (laughs) on the net or in a book or, you know, that they're already there. The answers that you're seeking may not be there yet. So patience is needed to allow them to form, to formulate within you, to, to surface from the depth of your psyche and soul up into your consciousness. That takes time. Yeah. So allow that time. Uh-huh. And uh, sometimes I'll recommend to clients, you know, wait a whole lunar cycle. Don't make a decision yet because, you know, maybe we're grasping at something and we want to make an mm-hmm. instant decision. Yet sometimes the perspective completely changes after you go through that whole lunar cycle uh, and all the rhythms that are connected to it. Uh, if you can share a little bit also what happens uh when we stop and slow down and be, uh, how our other senses uh, step in. So when you were mentioning, you know, prophecy and seer uh, capabilities of the women, uh, that this reawakens because this is part of yes. our, our gift here to our fellow brothers and sisters. Yes. So I'll go back to what you were saying in a moment ago about sometimes you recommend the client to wait for a whole lunar cycle. I would say when you start tracking your cycle with your moods and phases of the moon and when you bleed and when you ovulate, it might not become evident for a few cycles what the pattern is because a pattern, a lunar cycle pattern, a menstrual cycle pattern, a pattern cannot be established within one cycle. So... What I was doing when I was seeing my my cycle and my pattern dance around the seasons is that I had a whole year worth of lunar phases on one card, which is um, you can find it. There are many companies that publish it on the on the net, and I was coloring red my blood days on the phase of the moon and coloring green my ovulation days, and it took at least a season to see a pattern. So pattern by definition is something that develops over time. So um, we'd like to encourage you to start being curious as to what pattern emerges emerges, and that can only be done with patience and with allowing a few cycles to pass. And while you do that, to your question about other senses, um, our visual is so overwhelmingly potent and takes over in this uh, media day that we live in. So when you sit quietly and listen to the birds without consuming any device, visual activity, then 
your your sense of smell might open up and there is fragrances in the air at all times as much as there are sounds from nature at all times and you could be curious about how different surfaces might be feeling and how does it feel to your bare feet to stand on this on the skin of the earth on the ground and allowing the visual to stop for a moment with your eyes closed so that everything else can open up to you mm-hmm. and when we're talking prophecy we're talking a whole sense experience we're not talking about something that comes to your site on a screen yeah absolutely aho <laughs> and to to echo to your seasons to map the patterns i love that you brought that up um what i found if if someone allows themselves to go through a whole exploration with themselves annually like a solar cycle and all the lunar cycles they will see that certain times a year uh they'll learn different things about themselves and sure enough on that second year of evaluation you'll start to see oh this time of year yeah. i'm vulnerable yeah. here or yes. i'm really strong here and then we can even pace how we address our whole solar cycle by with that yeah. knowledge Yes. Uh, Absolutely. Ahead. I want to say to that that um, what you would find is that if you bleed at different phases of the moon over the year, then bleeding on the dark moon would feel differently than bleeding on the full moon. Mm-hmm. So there are two energies to grapple with. So there is the, the energy of the full moon that does call you out and yet you bleed, so there is an energy of moving inward. And how do you work with that? So there is a different, much more subtle, maybe a hibernation on the full moon when you bleed on it, than when you bleed on the dark moon where both the moon and your body are demanding that you go inward. So those are different flavors. It's like having different colors overlaid on a picture and having a filter of this color versus a filter of that color. So you bleed and you know how you are when you bleed, but when you bleed on that phase, it has a different flavor than when you bleed on that phase. Right. And that that is another pattern that can become apparent over time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh And share with the women how they could support one another. Uh, Lately, there's been a lot of women, which I've been enjoying seeing their really coming forth and sharing, I think things that they never thought that they could share even in a digital realm uh, about their cycles and the power of that, of course, you know, and the lodge is a beautiful place, but how can we as women maybe come out and step out of the virtual world and get into our neighborhoods as you have red tents in every neighborhood right now and start uh, supporting one another? So I would say you can start with one other woman, just two women sitting together in a park in nature and sharing the story of the first blood. We have shared with each other so many stories as women, stories of triumph and of struggles, of um, sexuality and of coercion, of survival and of thriving, of healing of wounding we've done all of that but throughout all of this the story of our first blood is often silent Mm. and i invite you to remember your first blood because it was the imprint of your cyclicity that's when Mm. 
Fritz Tarte. That's why you were born as a cyclical being. You were born to this world out of your mother's womb when on the day of your birth. But when you started bleeding, you, bore, you were born as a woman. It's a very momentual, momentous moment in our biography, which is often shrouded in darkness. It's not mentioned. It's not something that we talk about. So I invite you to get together with one other woman or maybe more and share the story of your first blood and share the experiences of the years of bleeding because those stories are connecting us and because they're not spoken we each think that this is only something that we share and we experienced individually alone because we don't speak that and most of those stories become so familiar when you share them so you can start seeing that our stories even though the details are different the emotions are identical for you and your women friends far and near so i would encourage you to make your first blood and your menstrual experiences a topic that is no longer taboo but is the at the middle of the table and part of the conversation that you zoom a light, a light on mm, beautiful and how can women right now that are experiencing sudden shifts uh, in their cycle, support one another and uh, keep them out of fear, but more in a, a place of power. So first I would say acknowledging, so not ignoring this, but acknowledging and asking other women, what's your experience? This is my experience. That's what's happening with me right now. What's happening for you? And fear is really not serving us. Fear is shutting us down and shutting our womb down. So rather than being uh, afraid or alarmed, I would say getting together and creating visions, womb visions of bleeding together. So rather than focusing on the fact that right now we might not be bleeding because of whatever reason, let's sit together and envision how we bleed together, how we will look back at this on, on this time right now and we'll remember it as the time where it was a turning point mm -hmm. where we stopped bleeding and that led us to bleed synchronized, that led us to bleed together. Our, our envisioning together and individually, but together even more, has huge power. And if we envision fear, because when we are afraid, we are, it's a vision as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a vision. So the fear is a vision and a prayer, which we don't want to give our all to. We want to give our prayer and our vision to how we would like it to be. And sitting with other women and envisioning together how you would like to be feeling in your cycle six months from now, a year from now, yeah. um, next full moon. And just create those visions in conversations, in art, maybe paint yourself as you would be when you next bleed, maybe write a poem, maybe fashion something in clay, maybe dance, yeah. a moon time dance. So allow your body and all of your senses to create visions of how you'd like it to be rather than how what you're afraid of it becoming. Right. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. 
And uh, if you can share how important it is uh, to remind one another that we're, we're different, but not like, you know, that there's a comfort in knowing that we, we all uh, have this experience, this moon cycle, if you're feminine uh, embodiment, and that, you know, you're not alone, uh, that we can actually band together and create mm. a lot of harmony when we do that, probably similar to what uh, you have seen in uh, Israel. Yeah. You know, when you spoke, the image that I got is of a bead necklace. So if you think of yourself as a bead in a beautiful necklace, each bead has individuality, even if they're the same color or shape, they're each an individual, but they are nothing alone. If you take that bead alone, it's not a piece of jewelry that would adorn a person. But together, as a necklace, each is a unique bead, but it's part of what makes the necklace. And I would like to invite us to think of ourselves as beads in the necklace of the universe in some yeah. way. Beautiful. To realize that we are, we are part of the whole, but a unique part. Like a, a thread within the tapestry of the cosmos. Yes. I always think of it as that yes. we all have our, our frequency that's weaving this great tapestry yes. called life. Yes. Uh, and, and if you can share a little bit about what you've witnessed when women really step back into their power, like reclaim their power and even acceptance that this thing that maybe they've been taught, their moon cycle is horrible like you know we, we I think you and I both have probably heard women say that they don't want anything to do with it they're yeah. almost disgusted by it but when they reclaim it how exciting it is um you know I I look forward to it I look forward to getting into that altered state and uh being in that place with myself so if you can share a little bit about you know maybe to inspire some women that might be listening to this that have been uh turned off by it yeah well, imagine yourself working really hard in your garden and craving the moment where you'll have a shower, a hot shower or a hot bath and go to bed and curl up and fall asleep. The deliciousness of stopping after a hard day's work. Well, that's similar to what you're talking about, looking forward to the stopping, looking forward to the moon time because you are working out and um, exerting yourself all month long and here is the time where you can look forward to, to have a rest, a renewal, a replenishment of your energy. So imagine someone would have told you that sleeping at night is a waste of time and ter terrible thing. Why bother? So it's the same. You would want to bother because you want to rest and let your aching muscles renew themselves and dream and refresh yourself and recharge your batteries and get up in the morning renewed. Well, that's a similar function that you have on a monthly basis, on a monthly cycle. And what I've seen women experience beyond the fact that they are aligned and that their symptoms are dissipating and disappearing, they feel that they're in charge of their lives they feel that they don't have to fight their own rhythm, but they, they became the, the driver of this carriage that rather than it pulling them yeah. by their neck, they are the drivers, they have the reins. 
Um, women feel that they can much more easily be assertive with their surrounding, the people that they live with in their family or the people they work with at, at, in the office or anywhere where, where their work environment is, that they can speak about their needs. And because they begin to honor their needs, they can communicate them to other people, not in a place of asking for permission, but in a place of announcing, this is what I need. So once a month, I need to withdraw. And I'd like to invite you to think with me how we can work together to make this uh, seamless for the workplace or for the family life. So there is a lot of assertiveness that is coming out of that that I see now. Beautiful, beautifully said. And I, I would also echo that it's super powerful when you acknowledge like, oh, I need the space to commune with myself. or And then you start to, you start to feel comfortable enough to say, oh, I'm feeling vulnerable. You can reach out to the ones you love and say, you know, I need yeah. some reassurance or whatever it is. Um, and sometimes yeah. it's, you have the momentum just to go and take action in a way that might surprise you. So yes. uh, it's a super powerful, uh, I don't know, journey that we, we're gifted every month. <laughs> so, it is. It is. And our vulnerability is strength. Absolutely. Our ability to own it and acknowledge it and be seen in our vulnerability is an enormous strength. Yeah, absolutely. And when you were speaking a moment ago, uh, the word prayer came up in my mind and uh, the power of prayer. And for some people that word, they may not know what that means or relate to in that way. Uh, but, you know, when we, I think there's been enough scientific studies that show when people pray together or come and really uh, just hold the space for well-being for all a lot of the indigenous cultures they wouldn't use necessarily I think that word pray maybe they do now but they they, they hold the the sentiment of the well-being for all if you can sh share a little bit about uh, how important that is and how mystical it is because certain things happen when we pray individually and then together so to your comment that not everyone is, is comfortable with the word prayer, I would say that I would define prayer as communication, communing with the divine, however the divine is expressed or perceived, perceived by you. So prayer is communication, is just connecting with the divine. And it can be through a chant or a song or silence or speaking out loud or movement or any creative action, like we said earlier, um, fashioning something in clay. Prayer can be any way in which you are allowing yourself to freely commune with what is divine in your perception and receive and give back and forth, inspiration, hope, um, being seen by all that is, which is bigger than what we see with our naked eye. And one thing that Mother Earth and Chinese medicine uh, is, is held for is trust. It's trust, mm. faith. So when we commune with the actual Earth's energy, uh, if you can share from your perspective how that has reinforced for yourself or what you've witnessed and your clients that you've worked with when they restore their inner faith and trust within themselves and with the Earth itself. 
Because uh, a lot of people maybe don't trust nature. Mm. So maybe we should start with the acknowledgement that Earth is a living being, that it's, it's alive and continues to evolve and to live and to grow and to wither and rebirth was an exercise once given by a spiritual teacher to go out and notice wherever wherever you are on the earth and wherever whichever season it is to notice what is alive and growing and what is has died and withered and even at the height of the bloom season there are some flowers that begin to wither and even at the dead of winter there are some flower, some winter flowers or some greenery that begins. So it's it's a yin-yang kind of a existence that we live here on earth where at the heart of winter there is growth and life and the heart of summer there is withering and they're all present together. And that's something that we can begin to trust because the sun rises and night falls every day that's something that we never question the moon goes through its own orbit and cycle we don't question that the seasons return so even though we live in a linear world and linearity is very artificial everything alive and and natural around us is not linear it's cyclical and every cycle of nature that you can think of returns so for instance let's take saturn so saturn returns to the place it was when you were born 28 years later and then 56 years later so that's a long cycle but you can trust it because it will come back it's a cycle it's an orbit (laughs) that returns so i would encourage us to start developing trust through looking at recurrences at cycles in nature and cycles in ourselves and when we stop looking linearly and start looking at the circle and the cycle, then trust is restored because all the cycles return. And I love your uh, the winter, the flowers, because oftentimes we forget that we're on a globe. <laughs> and so, you know, right now in north, the northern hemisphere, we're going for spring to summer. And yes. our brothers and sisters on the southern hemisphere are going through fall to winter. And yeah. I think those are those little electric odes to each each season that are happening. Yeah. Um, and the yeah. importance of that, because, you know, it's sometimes we can get myopic that, you know, when only one season exists at a time yeah. on planet Earth. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, which is where we live. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's only what's going on here. Uh, yeah. So I always like to include, you know, brothers and sisters on the southern, you know, you're yeah. thank you for holding winter and fall yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you uh one uh, we're in a, a moment we're gonna like welcome everyone to do, be in repose but let our listeners know because i know we just dove in because we've been here before together but and i'll put your links and everything uh share a little bit about your work because so they can uh, if they've been listening like who is this woman uh share a little bit about your work and where they can find you on the internet so my work has evolved over 30 years and i distilled it recently to two academies i have a womb academy and a red tent academy Mm 
And the Womb Academy is more about healing our own relationship with our womb and our body and our cycles. And the Red Tent Academy is more around healing, but also getting the skills and the tools to offer these experiences to other women wherever you are on earth through the experience of gathering red tent red tents or women in a red tent wherever you are so um both of them happen uh, at different times of the year both of them have waiting lists so if you go to my website you will see on the web on the homepage a reference to both my website is my name so it's dianalam.com i'll spell d e a n n a l a m.com dianalam.com and um, I invite you to one or both of the academies. Women often ask me which one should I take or which one should I start with. And I, I encourage you to start with whichever is offered in the near future because doing both would give you a full cycle of healing yourself and having the tools to help other women heal. Well said. I appreciate all the work you've been doing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And also share a little bit about uh, the red tent. You know, there's many of you beautiful women out there stewarding and creating the space of the red tent. And if you can just share the history so women understand where that came from. So there were women gathering in moon lodges and moon hats and women's spaces in indigenous cultures all over the world, in all continents, there is evidence of that. And those were times and places where women gathered when they bled to, like we said, dream prophecies for the tribe and renew themselves personally and take a respite from, from daily life in the tribe or the village. The, Actual words, Red Tent, are create, were created by Anita Diamond, who wrote a book, a historical novel, a historical fiction by this name. And she wrote the book, The Red Tent, is looking at the times of the Old Testament, the, the four mothers, uh, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, living in the Middle East of, uh, you know, uh, 3,000 years ago. Um, and seeing, she envisioned a world where this nomadic culture has traveled the, their life cycles on the earth with the red tent being the center. Mm -hmm. So wherever they, they traveled to by foot, they first erected the red tent because it was clear that this is the heartbeat of the village to allow the women to have their sacred space wherever they are. So Anita Diamond admitted that she invented the term, so there weren't red tents that were called red tents, but she extensively researched the moon lodges and the moon hats and the women's spaces that existed in all indigenous cultures. So her rendition of the Old Testament women is fictitious, but it's based on research. Yeah. I recently interviewed a couple of women from uh, Israel who grew up in Ethiopia. There was a migration uh, a decade or two ago of a um, large Jewish population from Ethiopia to Israel. And these women have grown up with the woman's house. They call it the woman's house, Marjam Gorjo. 
And these are women who, in their living memory, this was a reality. It's not something that we have to reweave and recreate with the knowledge of, of women millennia ago, but they were living it in this lifetime. Yeah. And one of the women I, I um, interviewed immigrated. They were moved to Israel when she was six, but she remembered her aunt and her mother and all the women in her family going to Marjam Gojo, to the women's house. Yeah. So this is so touching to know that there are women living on this earth for whom this was an uninterrupted tradition. It's not something that they're reclaiming, but it was uninterrupted. And it's so for many um, Native American tribes, the Navajo and various others, it never stopped. There are parts of India, especially in the South, in Kerala, where girls are welcomed into womanhood in a tradition that never stopped. So those experiences have been uninterrupted in some parts of the world. So we have an, an evident, a living testament to that. Yeah, beautiful. And so that we have access and we know Mama Earth welcomes us. You know, I always yeah. remind people, you know, the ants don't complain about moving the fungus or the microbes across the forest. They honor their role. And so I know from many of my own personal experiences that I'm constantly reminded, you know, of this powerful cycle that we can attune with. And, yes. you know, it is a part of this, this service we can provide to being a human yes. with Mother Earth. Yeah. Um, beautiful. This is exciting. So uh, as we were talking about, you know, it's silver linings are usually always exist in uh, yes. when sometimes there's interrupts, we'll call them. And... I really feel that this is a juicy time for the collective women out there, whoever's listening to this, uh, that where it touches their soul, that you have a time to lean in to being a woman uh, and mm. rebalancing, harmonizing, reclaiming, uh, and seeing what happens when you do that. Yes. Yes. A super powerful time. <laughs> yeah. And when I, you know, I was listening to a couple of doctors the other day and they said, of course, like the women are going to start talking. And that's why mm. I kind of, I love seeing that women are sharing and, you know, yes. they're like, oh, and when you mention it to other women, they're like, oh, and so now there's this conversation. So usually, like you said, it starts with awareness and then from there it deepens. Yeah. So you are, you and I are going to do a little impromptu call uh, prayer. If you want to share a little bit about this prayer that um, I'm going to lead in with the flute, but I welcome anyone that's listening to this, whether it's now or in the future, maybe just to give yourself a pause. So if you were multitasking or doing something else <laughs> while you're listening, just to sit down and be with us for a moment. Uh, and if you want to share a little bit about the prayer and the origin yeah, thank you for this call for women to just sit and be and listen. So this is a Native American chant. Uh, chants are also forms of prayers. And it was translated, I think it's ancient, and it's been sung for generations in Native tribes. And it was translated into Hebrew by Iris Yotvat, who is a, um, one of the women's circle leaders prominent in Israel. And I would like to offer it to you together with Suzanne here. Uh, she will be on her flute. I'll be on 
my drum, show it to you here, and I will sing it in both languages. Okay. Where I sit is holy, holy is the ground, forest, mountain, river, listen to the sound, great spirit circles all around me. possible when uh, a few women get together is quite magical and yes allow each other to be seen and heard and support mm. one another so yes Diana I want to honor you I deeply respect you and I thank you for uh, all the work you've done with the feminine welcoming them into uh, harmony and you know, washing away a lot of things that don't serve so thank you Thank you, Suzanne, for inviting me and for all that you bring from your heart and woman to the world. I appreciate what you do and who you are. Thank you. You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into be simply once again that was diana lam and i want to thank you all for being here and listening in this moment as we are sharing this uh radio segment we're going into a full moon now uh, as we are well into summer so may you all connect to your rhythm and your cycles and have deeper understanding on how to be in harmony with self and the world around you. And a special treat as we exit out, if you want to stay a little bit longer, we're going to listen to a little Freedom Tribe. You are so beautiful. So remember your true self and share it with the world. Until next time, this is Suzanne signing out with a full heart, a soft gaze, a deep bow, and a namaste.
dancing angels speaking in my mind in this rhyme from grandma's earth it's about my brother man sounds like the rolling sea and we grounded within the Soul into soul, into soul, never die. Sweep the 
This rhyme from grandmother. Hey. 